Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out a very special Woke and Bake slash streaming service and chill. Now, this is special for a couple of different reasons. One of them, just one of them, is the fact that I am getting to speak to the one and only, the big, nasty, badass himself, Brody Adams of the infamous... Is that how you say it? Infamous? Infamous? Whatever that word is, that word is for tag team badasses of the North and nasty gentlemen. He is part of the team with the one and only Jack Windsor, Gentleman Jack himself, and they will be performing this Saturday in um, at the Denali Harley-Davidson in Palmer, Alaska. They will be competing against the Amazing Gracels of uh, WrestlePro. Now, also on this card, Wasilla's own Dion Roosman. He's going to be taking on the uh, WrestlePro uh, gold champion, Anthony Bowens. Also on this card, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Gangrel, Swoggle, Brian Myers, Marco Stunt, Katarina Lay. Fala Bond, Joey Janella. This is a really solid card going on in Palmer on Saturday. But I've got to talk to you a little bit about what is going on this Friday. And what is going on this Friday? Let me tell you about it. It is the Soul Dotna Slam. You're going to see uh, Katarina Lay taking on Fairbanks' own Queen of the North, Freya the Slayer. You're going to see Joey Janella taking on Horns, not Horns, sorry, sorry about that, Swoggle. Taking on Swoggle, the former WWE star, and versus Joey Janela. That's AEW, man. You are getting a, a toss-up. Where else are you going to see this match? Where else are you going to see Joey Janela versus Swoggle? All right? Where are you going to do that? All right, but they've, they've got a, some badass fights lined up. Badass, badass matches. But they also have uh, kickboxing and mixed martial arts. Kickboxing, what do you mean? Seth Stacy, BMT Brown Belt himself, Seth Stacy is taking on the always game AFC veteran Alton Prince. This is Seth's first fight. Alton has like a hundred fights uh, going across everything from boxing, kickboxing, MMA. Like I said, he's an AFC veteran. We'll be talking to him a little bit later on. Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, but very, very soon we will be talking to Alton Prince. Now, the power plant heavyweight uh, belt match, all right? That is going on between Sean Whitmore and Doug McFresh. Those two have fought pretty much everybody except for each other. And so it's absolutely fitting that these are the two guys uh, fighting for the power plant uh, heavyweight championship belt. I'm very excited to see that belt uh, fight. Alton has fought Sean. I believe Alton has fought Doug, and that one might have been in the AFC. Not 100% sure, but those two have fought. Doug McFresh is an AFC veteran. I'm really, really excited to see this, uh, these two fights, all right, as well as the Soldatna Slam. Shout out to their sponsors, the Annex, Budweiser, Mad Creations, uh, Alaska Driving Academy, Eyewear Express, Eyewear Express, Magnum Motors, 5150 Vapes. We'll get to them in just a minute. And Matt Plan. I love you, man. I'm I'm grateful you are putting these cards together, and every one of us is grateful that you are putting these cards together. Now, let me go a little bit into 5150 Vapes and what makes all of this special. This is happening at the All-American Training Center. If you're not familiar with the All-American Training Center, it is on the Spur Highway. Alright, this is where they host 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. We've talked about 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu on this podcast. They're one of the very strong supporters of this podcast. And the reason I am not there right now is so that I can tell you about the Soldatna Slam that is happening at the All-American Training Center. Tickets are available now at 5150 Vapes, the Duck Inn, All-American Training Center, and from fighters Seth Stacy, Sean Whitmore, and Doug McFresh locally. All right. Ladies, gents, others, thanks you, thank you very, very much for checking out the, the uh, podcast. Thank you very much for checking us out. It means the world to me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, right now, Brody Adams and I are going to talk about one of the most entertaining, one of the most solid, greatest films of all time. This is, it's basically Citizen Kane for professional wrestling. If you're not familiar with Citizen Kane, it's basically, it's Citizen Kane. Look it up. You'll thank me later. All right, 
This is No Holds Barred, currently streaming on Amazon Prime. I believe it's also on Tubi, but most specifically, it is on Amazon Prime. Now, if you make sure you, you take your sweet ass over to the website, streamingserviceandchill.com, you'll get the show notes as well. All right, Brody, thank you very, very much for your time. And all you fine folks, enjoy the podcast. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to assume that the internet hates us. And we're going we're gonna to have to yeah, defeat I mean, the internet to make this happen. Yeah. All right, uh, Brody Adams, sir, uh, the man, the myth of the nasty gentleman. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, I'm excited for this weekend. Uh, so let's talk about uh, your match this weekend uh, in Palmer. Um, who are you? Uh, who are you wrestling? Uh, we are taking on the uh, Amazing Graysons. They are a uh, brother duo from New Jersey, or some, somewhere on the East Coast. I'm, they may not be from New Jersey, but that's uh, where WrestlePro is based. So. They are uh, collectively way barely more than one of the Nasty Gentlemen, so it should be, should be a lot of fun. They're, they're little guys, so there's going to be a style contrast for sure. Um, it's going to be little fast guys versus big fast guys. Okay. So have you had uh, an opportunity to prepare and, and see what they do and, and how they move and, and think about how you're going to compete with that? Yeah, I watched a couple videos so far um, uh, of them, and there's a six-man tag that they did and then just a regular tag match. And so I can see what some of their signature moves are. And one of them entails picking somebody up. And so that should be a lot of, uh, that should be interesting. Um, so, but they, they're definitely fast. And so if they're able to like, I don't know, stay on the run, like, and stay out of uh, me and Jack's grip, then they, they stand a really good chance. But once we get a hold of them, it, it's going to be hard for them to pull off the win. There's, the, there is a definitive size difference. Okay. Now in a match um with smaller opponents, like what are what are some of your immediate thoughts going into that? Um I try I try and get them cornered and grounded. And um but I also try and utilize some of uh I don't know, I can do some flippy stuff for a big guy. And so I try and utilize some of that. With a smaller guy, it can be hard because it's easier for them to move out of the way. So my, uh, a big thing I'll try and do is keep them grounded and start stretching them out. You know, I'll grab a body part, whether it's their head, neck, arm, back, leg, whatever, and I'll just focus all my attention on that. Now, uh, Jack is British, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you live in Palmer uh, or in the area. Do you feel like you, you two have a distinct home field advantage? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, with, without trying to sound too cocky, Palmer is our town. And, like, he's been wrestling up here for five years. I've been wrestling here for eight years. The last five years has been in the heart of Palmer, at the, their community center. And... Um, He's lived in Palmer the majority of the last, I think, uh, 15, 16 years, however long. He's, he visited up here as a kid, but he's lived here um, for quite a while, and he lives in Palmer. And so I feel like we have the home field advantage for sure. So do you think, um, in your experience, uh, is there a, a major difference between East Coast wrestlers, West Coast wrestlers, down South, and what are those differences? Um, I don't, I feel the wrestlers I've encountered from like Southern California, they hit harder than anybody I've ever wrestled in my life. And you know, they're, they're aiming to, like, end the match as quick as possible. They're swinging for the fences. Like, every hit is a knockout, you know. Um, some of the guys that wrestled on the East Coast are a bit more technical. Um, and especially some of their smaller guys. Russell Pro, their roster is just full of technical wrestlers. And there are a couple bigger guys, like Falaba, who I've shared a ring with, 
um, and KM, and they do have some bigger individuals, but like their champions right now um, are just uh, probably some of like the best technical wrestlers you can ever, you'll ever find. And so it, I don't think it really depends on the region. I think it depends on the level that they're wrestling at. And WrestlePro tends to wrestle at a national level. Um, they, they have fans uh, all over the United States, especially once they've entered into Alaska. They made a whole new fan base. And so all their guys are on another level. Like, they're, uh, without a doubt, their guys could compete with the mainstream WWE, AEW, places like that. Like, well, yeah, so looking I, at the roster, their roster and, and, and who they're bringing up and who they've brought up in the past – that that is their roster. They are a uh, they are AEW guys. They are WWE yeah. guys, um, and that's that is one of the things that that made me a fan. Is they're they're drawing from from different pools of talent, um, and yeah. you know it, it's cool that like for Soldatna we have uh, Swoggle versus Janela, and you know like this is this is very cool. Like this wasn't happening before WrestlePro started doing this. Yeah, um, that is like, because that's a unique match. Like, where else are you going to see that match, you know? And, and um, Swoggle has wrestled up here before at the first WrestlePro Alaska show. And, you know, he he doesn't wrestle other people his size. He wrestles uh, people that are, like, trying to find, like, you know, the right way to say it, you know? Like, he doesn't do midget wrestling. He does wrestling. And, you know, so it's, it's, in, it's interesting to see him wrestle someone like Joey Janela and show that, like, he can hold his own against an opponent of any size. Yeah. You know, and, like, like I said, where else are you going to see Joey Janela versus Squoggle? Like, so. It, it's cool. I've had friends uh, on the East Coast, friends in Maine, um, shout out and, and, like, give me their predictions on how they think that match is going to go. And so this is something that we're being treated to up here um, that, that they, they're just not going to get down in, in the lower 48, certainly not on, on at the level that uh, WrestlePro has brought it um, in the, the two previous events. Now, the first, uh, the first event, I, here comes the North, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you guys were on that. Uh, or Welcome to the North. I cannot remember the name of it. That uh, the North will remember. The North will remember. Now, you, um, you, yeah. you guys were on that card. Yes, and uh, besides, like, the match was good, and it was like a test because they didn't know there was wrestling in Alaska before they came up here. They were planning on bringing, like, their own crew, you know, and then they found out there was wrestling up here, and so they did kind of like a tryout with Sanjay Dutt, who is someone I've followed for a long time, you know, and so uh, that was a cool one because – what. Shout out to uh, to Sanjay. I remember when when uh, he came yeah, out with yeah, Matt. Yeah, to, to yeah it was it was really cool. He he did a seminar and a tryout for us, you know, with the local guys. Uh, and then you know the match itself at Russell Pro at uh, the North will remember uh, to have Mick Foley was their guest of honor for that one, and for him to sit there and watch my match, and then come over to me and Jack after the match, and and give us his feedback that's like man that's unforgettable so not only am i making awesome memories wrestling as a fan or what you know some people call it as a mark like it's i'm making memories some of the people i've been able to meet you know like and uh a really funny moment that happened is after our match uh he came up to me and Jack gave us some feedback. And as he walked away, Jack acted like he was going to faint. Like, because we just got feedback on our match from Mick Foley. Like, you know, it's weird. And we also wrestled inside of a place that we'd watched wrestling in. Like I've been to Sullivan arena five or six times to watch WWE, you know, or other wrestling that came up here. And then for me to turn around and wrestle, like that's wrestling at my Madison square garden, you know, like it's, it's just a cool experience, like uh, getting all kinds of cool opportunities in the ring and outside of the ring. And that's um, being able to to come up and see you guys have that experience. And then for me to share it with my sons was also very special. Um, so I, I brought, uh, yeah. it was just one of my kids for the first WrestlePro. 
to come up here. And then all of them came for the second one and, you know, they brought friends. Like it was just a, it was such a cool experience the first time that we were grateful to do it uh, the second time. And that's one of those things that I can say uh, to anyone listening who hasn't been to an event, whether it's, whether it's in Soldaten or whether it's in Palmer or whether it's in Anchorage, these are fun, uh, fun things to bring your kids to, to, to have a bonding experience. But from a, from a wrestler perspective, um, what does it to the layman, like explain what it means to get feedback on your match from, from Mick Foley. Yeah. I mean, he, he sat there and watched the entire show, which is really cool. Like he didn't have to do that. The dude's a hall of famer. Dude is a legend. He could have come out, did his piece, then left and come out. Like he was, he came out for a couple parts of the show. He was out at the ring, like I think at the beginning and the end he was out there. And so he could have just chilled in the back, but he sat there and watched the entire event. And um, so like for him tonight, someone wasn't like, hey, what'd you think of their match? He came up on his own and gave us some feedback and and which was just like it kind of it's kind of validating in a sense because like people don't know there's wrestling in Alaska like no matter how long I've been wrestling up here or how many people come up here and visit like there's still people that live in the same city that don't know there's wrestling up here it's just word doesn't get spread like enough and so for a hall of famer like Mick Foley to come up to two dudes who like we came out of the Alaska wrestling system. Like we're not trained by someone else. You know, we've, uh, we're trained through Alaska wrestling and for him to give feedback and like, honestly, I was so starstruck. I don't remember the feedback he gave, you know, but he gave us like, he just gave us some feedback on our match. I might have to ask Jack, like, cause I don't remember what he said. I was mind blown by the fact that he was taller than me because I didn't realize he was that big. Like, um he's like six six he has to be like it's ridiculous it's uh he doesn't look that big on tv <laughs> so but it was just it was just mind-blowing man it was it was a, a cool moment like and then uh matt plant like he gave me feedback on the match and like compared me to mick foley the way i wrestle and so i was like dude like it's just uh it's a cool experience like like i'm, I'm gonna remember that forever i may not remember what he said but I had a conversation with Mick Foley after my match, like, you know, so. That's, um, thank you for sharing that. That, That's, thank you for sharing that, that with us. It's really cool. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, um, not just this, uh, this event in, in Palmer and, and previous events, uh, is one of the films that really developed my, um, my love for professional wrestling in the same way that a film like Thrashin' or Gleaming the Cube uh, does for skateboarding or Rad for BMX. It is uh, the late 80s masterpiece uh, starring uh, an unknown Zeus who went on to be Debo and the man recognized by most guys our age as the the, the star that got us into wrestling, um, Thunderlips himself. Uh, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hulk Hogan, uh, and that film is no holds barred. Um, well, first off, the matches. I, I want to ask because we've spoken a little bit about your matches. Um, what did you think about some of the matches in uh, that film? Um, I I liked I liked the opening one that with uh, Jake Bullet because. That guy's an actual wrestler. It's not just like another actor. That's Axe from Demolition, and and so I thought that was it was entertaining. They did a good job of like, even though it's a short sequence, they did a good job of psychology because like almost immediately, uh, Rip is getting beat up, and it's like, oh man, like the it it told the told a good story of like what they do with Hulk Hogan in wrestling, anyways that he gets beaten down to the ground and then he hulks up, comes back, you know, and, and he wins, you know? So um, I like that they didn't have Hulk Hogan finishing people with the leg drop. He had like a different finisher for this character. And so I think they, 
as short as the matches are, they do tell a good sense of psychology in the opener. Um, excuse me. Then I guess the other big one is just the finale match. You know, and there are a couple others like uh, the bar fights. Stan Hansen's character, Neanderthal. Okay. You know, um, like when it first introduces him and they're at the bar and everything, like, uh, I think they did a good job there of he wasn't Stan Hansen. Like, they, like, Rip is Hulk Hogan, 100%. Like, there's, you know, but the other characters, the wrestlers that are in there are not themselves. They're doing something different. How many of those dudes were wrestlers? Uh, say that again? How many of those guys uh, were actual wrestlers? Uh, so in the beginning, Jake Bullet, that's a wrestler. That's Bill Eady, which is Axe from Demolition. And then uh, the guy with the spit cup, you know, uh, that's Neanderthal. That's Stan Hansen. And then uh lug wrench perkins he's the guy with the big huge wrench that fights zeus uh he's a former wrestler from wcw uh named jeep swenson he was in uh in the batman movie that had poison ivy in it where they they create bane okay like uh that jeep swenson is the big version of bane and jeep swenson was also in a match in wcw where they brought Zeus back as the Z gangsta. Like it's Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage versus like eight dudes. And um, two of them are Zeus as Z gangsta as a, under a different name. And then Jeep Swenson as it, his name was the ultimate solution, but they're like, that's kind of racist. <laughs> and so they changed his name to something else. Um, you know, so, so there's, there's a handful of wrestlers and like to hype up no holds barred zeus actually did have a couple matches like um he wrestled i think at an event just based around survivor series and or based around no holds barred and then he wrestled at survivor series he was in a couple tag matches so do you remember those so there, there's a handful of wrestlers in there um i i don't remember much, anything from him before that or anything like after after the hype like it was like he went from zeus to debo yeah in my childhood um, yeah, yeah, he they did some hype around the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would have to look it up to see what he did before No Holds Barred and Friday. I mean, I know roles he did later on. Um, he had he has a small role in uh, Dark Knight. He plays the president in Fifth Element. Like, so there's he has a couple small roles. Um, he just he kind of just pops up. Like, he pops up on Walker Texas Ranger. Like, you know, he's done. He has so many credits to his name, but he doesn't really have a whole lot of starring roles. I mean, those are the two things and that we... I wish he did more roles like The President and The Fifth Element. Yeah. Well, I mean, his part in Dark Knight is uh, they have the two fairies that one fairy controls the other one like they're bomb on it. Like, so they can choose to blow up a fairy full of citizens or a fairy full of prisoners. And the fairy full of prisoners... Uh, Zeus takes the detonator and throws it out the window. And so, like, he has a pretty, like, it's a small role, but it's an important part. So, so um, before we going too far into, uh, into to, uh, Tommy Lister's uh, yeah. filmography, there were some things that I, I wanted to, uh, to touch on. Part of it was um, Hulk Hogan's yeah. wardrobe in this film. um i i i wish that i lived in the universe that like this film was based in right the one where wrestlers like they have to go around doing their daily stuff dressed like they have a match like like hulk hogan uh rip in this film would have to go to the grocery store to buy milk dressed like he's rip in like rip going to a meeting like that would be a fun world yeah, to live in. Yeah, he's he's ready to go at all times in that movie. <laughs> like I don't know. He he seemed like it was a it was a good breed uh, like bleeding over of like Macho Man Randy Savage's wardrobe in uh in that regard. Like there was a lot of like spandex, a lot of stuff that went on to become Under Armour. Yeah. Yeah, like the 
uh, the like tight pants and shirts and the big old belts and you know like yeah like I mean if you if you see other wrestlers outside of that movie from that time frame they don't dress like that they wear they might wear like jeans and stuff you know but yeah his, his wardrobe is uh it's out there so. it, but in that like universe, what, what it's you totally before, normal. Yeah, like, like what you said, like you couldn't dress like Rip and then like go to a kid's charity. Yeah, like, so <laughs> it, it's, it's weird. Um, now, the TV executive in, in the film, like he, he has a really yeah. unnatural, he's the catalyst for everything. Everything starts moving because of his unhealthy obsession uh with big wrestlers like that dude gets really angry about stuff that's on a different network he like he's he's absolutely obsessed with the idea of doing as much permanent emotional scarring to rip as possible if he can't get him to join his team um what do you think that stems from like you're a father like oh man i don't i don't uh, he he it's unhealthy that's for sure like yeah i mean he he has someone attack the lady that is like rips what agent or whatever she she is i she was some sort of like talent promotional thing but she was also um a corporate prostitute apparently sent by the evil tv executive yeah yeah that's right he, she was supposed to go seduce rip yeah, and she couldn't yes. do it because because Rip's not into that sort of thing. Rip <laughs> Rip has a roommate. He his his I adult saw. brother lives with him. And the old guy, the old coach too. Doesn't Charlie? It seemed like he lived with him too. Charlie, yeah. yeah. Coach Charlie. But yeah, I, dude, I, I, like yeah, he was he's a little handsy with his uh, with his brother. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't I know if, that. I don't know if you saw the cut, but like the original cut, when he jumps into Rip's arm, Rip grabs him by the by the caboose. He holds him by the caboose. They cut away, and then he goes back, and his hands are on his upper back. Rip's a strong man. Those hands didn't yeah. slide up. <laughs> yeah, no, like it happens for like that long. He jumps up, and he has like hands full of butt cheeks. Yeah. And like it cuts and his hands are somewhere else. I saw it. It happens right at the beginning. So. Yeah. Um, but they it, it also like it took a lot of ev- a, a lot of elements from Rocky because you did have Charlie, the older coach, who ends up getting assaulted by Zeus, but he's got a weird re- the Charlie, the, the coach, has a relationship with Zeus. Zeus killed a guy in a match. Yeah, and they like they don't go into that. Yeah, I I want that origin story. If we're going to give yeah. enough time and energy to this film um, and give it the credit it so rightly deserves, then maybe, just maybe, perhaps, they give us that doggone origin story. Yeah. Like, what's the history between uh, Charlie and Zeus? You know? like Because they bring it up more than one time. It's not just like a throwaway. Yeah, they, they pay attention to it. Uh, but, uh, another thing you mentioned was, um, which I didn't think about it because I've seen that movie so many times since I was a kid. Uh, it came out when I was like five. But the the octagon, yeah, like it it one hundred percent takes place in an eight sided ring. <laughs> My studio is also in my garage. Also in my garage is where my dog's yeah. food is, and my kid is feeding my dogs. Bless his heart. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the octagon, which, um, you know, like the, the UFC took for, I, I think the UFC, mixed martial arts, as we understand it now, does not exist without No Holds Barred as a movie. I see it. There's, there's a huge connection. You know, Before it was mixed martial arts, it was it was commonly referred to in, in Brazil as Vale Tudo or in the United States as NHB, as No Holds Barred, right? Yeah, um, I remember renting 
uh, early UFC videos, and they sold it 100% as no holds barred fighting. And like their opening montage would show like dudes getting punched in the nuts and stuff, you know, because <laughs> there were no rules. Like you couldn't bite and you couldn't eye gouge. I think that was like that was it. Everything else was open. It took a while for a guy to get punched in the nuts like 17 times uh, for that sort of thing yeah. to be bad. Yeah. And, and if I'm not mistaken, and this is where we're going to get real dark for a second, it was Keith Hackney punching the nuts of a guy by the name of Joe Song. Um, and, and that's where I might be getting it a little bit backwards. But to fast forward about 20 years with Joe Song, he's in prison now for a very, very long time because allegedly he raped the lady to death. Oh, geez, Louise. Yeah, so don't yeah, feel bad for him getting I punched in the nuts. I remember the infamous clip. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember that clip of he like one guy had the other guy almost in some sort of leg lock and he's just wailing on him. Like, yeah, like some sort of weird crucifix. But he but it's backwards yeah. and he's punching him in the nuts. Don't feel bad for Joe Son. He wasn't a good guy. <laughs> well, he deserved it then. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Um yeah. yeah, so but but going back to, to this film, I, I think this film is far more influential than people will ever give it credit for. Um, I, I don't think uh, the WWE was making movies prior to this. I mean, at the time they were WWF, right? But they, yeah. nobody, they, they weren't making movies like this uh, previously. Um, you know, like they weren't making movies where their wrestlers were, were the stars. And this, this film, not only was Hulk Hogan, who was their biggest star at the time, the star of this film, they had a bad guy that, that no one had ever seen before. Zeus came out of nowhere, and he, yeah. was, he had that crazy eye twitch. You know, like, he, he beat up, you know, Randy, you know. Randy, who was uh, Rip's best friend or something, um, almost kind of mirrors perhaps the relationship with Randy. They were like brothers, with the other Randy, which would influ which would um, yeah. explain why Randy dressed the way, or why Rip dressed the way that he did. He was heavily influenced uh, by the late, great Randy Savage. And then his brother in the film is Randy. Yeah. Uh -oh. Well, who else? I mean, yeah, from I, that time like, period, uh... from that time period, I mean, like, who else could have been that, that bad guy that Zeus portrayed? I mean, like, it couldn't have been the honky-tonk man. It couldn't have been the ultimate warrior. It would have had to have been someone like Zeus that we hadn't seen before. Um, the same way that yeah. he was he was the um, B.A. Baracus. He was the Mr. T of this one. Um, you know, just the baddest man on the planet that no one had ever heard of. Yeah. And that that's pretty much how they introduce him, too. Like, they go to that bar to watch the fight and then just Zeus just shows up you know wearing what well, looked like the top of an inmate like he had like a a prison number on his chest yeah. uh, which which again I kind of want to live in that universe where like scary dudes who just get out of prison still have their prison top and they're getting into like no holds you know fist fights um, and imagine if, if, if that was like the way that the, the, the UFC fights were fought, you know, you could go off the top turnbuckle, you know, there was flying elbows. Yeah. Um, you, you did the yeah. double hand, you know, smash on the head. Um, but you also have to move at that speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's wearing like the prison shirt with the prison number and then he's wearing like spandex pants so i guess you know maybe that's just what they had in the lost and found on his way out you may maybe it was it was the 80s prison was a different place yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, oh man um, yeah, that, <sighs> but it is it is like it, it's an interesting movie because it's like the dude just comes out of the blue like i mean 
Yeah, I don't know. Then it, 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 there is comparisons, like you said, between Rocky, because at first, like when Zeus shows up in the helicopter and challenges Hogan, you know, like Clubber, Clubber Lang does similar stuff. Like he's taunting and challenging Rocky, knowing that he can beat him. You know, so there's there some parallels there. And he killed, uh, and he killed Rocky's buddy. He killed his coach. He killed. Yep. He killed the OG Charlie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Charlie kind of reminds me of Apollo Creed's coach. Which after Apollo Creed dies, he becomes Rocky's coach. But, you know, there's some similarities there, too. Oh, my gosh. This, it's deep. It, what if that's in the, a weird sort of the same, almost a Rick and Morty universe? Like, they've gone to something where decisions were made <laughs> slightly different. Um, and, again, I want to see the origin story. I want to know how yeah. Zeus ended up there. Like, I want to know about Zeus and Charlie and how that, how it, it went down. Like, and what was Charlie's deciding factor that he like, couldn't be Zeus's his friend anymore when he went to prison? Yeah, see, that, that's what I was, I was thinking, too. Like, did Charlie and Zeus's relationship end when Zeus went to jail? Like, you know, whatever has Charlie so, like, scarred by it, is that why Zeus went to jail? Like, there's, there's unanswered questions. And I think that as fans, we deserve them. Like, there's got to be more canon to it uh, than than just this one particular movie. They're, they built so much of this story that the rest of the story just needs to be told. I want to know um, what happened to, uh, like, you know, like what happened with Rip afterwards? Um, did they break up? Did, uh, did he decide that he... <laughs> That he was gonna try and be more than just friends with the with you know uh, the 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 origin story of Julia Roberts um, in Pretty Woman, like <laughs> you know, because they they never I don't remember he and uh, Joan Severance, who is the the actress's name. Um, I looked into her a, a wee bit. I don't even know, like, yeah, but. The I don't remember, dude. What is her? I don't remember her name. And I just watched this movie. I can't remember what her name was in the movie. She wasn't memorable. I think her only job in this movie was to look a little bit like the reporter from They Live. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I can't even remember her name. Her name. You know, but what, her what name happened is to irrelevant. Like, what happened to like the other competitors that like Zeus beat? Did they die? Like what happened, like to Lugrenk after he choked him out, or Neanderthal after he pulled his hair off of his head? Like where where did they go after that? Didn't he snap a guy's neck? Didn't he do the? Yeah, yeah. And well, and now in WWE, that's a regular move. Like that isn't that's not a match ender anymore. It's evolved since the '80s. People have people have, have tuned up, I guess. People have gotten better. They've developed stronger spines. Um, yeah. It seems weird <laughs> that a TV executive Bigger, stronger, from a major network would simply stand by and watch as uh, his his newest big star beat the dog shit and perhaps even paralyzed uh, Rip's little brother, and they didn't film it. Like, they just let it happen. Like, it seems like in a TMZ yeah. world, like, there should be someone filming that. Like, even then, yeah, you wouldn't, I mean, like, keep the cameras rolling, we're going to see show. what happens with the B-tapes. Say that part again? It's, it seems like even then, in the 1980s, where, where film was so expensive, like, it was more cost prohibitive to make this sort of thing, there would have been someone there with a handy cam that just continued to record, you know, like, Zeus breaking shit. Um, especially because yeah, they up, were like, that was Randy's part of the show brother, or rips rips little brother yeah yeah i mean that totally makes sense like they would have filmed that you know because like i said they were there like visiting the set or whatever yeah they were already filming yeah. like they were they shouldn't have broken down yeah. all the cameras right there should have been something even one of the network like his his little yes men at the bar he has a little handheld camera like where was that at yeah, it wasn't a gift. It was a gift. Here you go. Yeah. Here's a camera. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they had access Happy to birthday, one. They just whatever. didn't do shit with it. Losers. Yeah. Maybe that's why their network was doing so bad. Because there wasn't anyone there to think of these things. Yep. So you said that No Holds Barred were in your and uh, Mr. Deeds. Where's your comparison there? Let me run back to to the oh, it has to do, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, with the uh corporate prostitute. If I'm uh the woman who was sent to oh. Um, All right. I see what you're saying. Because I've never seen the original. I've only seen the Adam Sandler one. But still, there's the reporter, that the, the double-crosser reporter. Yeah. Uh, and she's there to, um, to, to take the, the, uh, the role of um, – that, that eventually became uh, Winona Ryder. That, you know, was legitimately yeah. one of her more, more, more fun roles. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Heather's is one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, but oh man, I don't think you could make that movie today. Likable. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. So that's I mean, this film, this film is way more influential um, than uh, than people give it credit for. Both with with the UFC, with Mister Deeds. Um, you know, the clothes that, that he was wearing at the time, um, you know, I, I, they, we have Under Armour because of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, so, so yeah. You Except know, like, he didn't wear like fancy Under Armour-esque shoes. He always wore cowboy boots for some reason. Well, okay. So it took, it took, um, Under Armour a, a while to get into the footwear game. So, like, if they had some shit for them to rip off, uh, if, if, if No Holds Barred had figured something out with that, then they, then, you know, I'm sure Under Armour would have ripped that off as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, that's true. I don't know how well you can use cowboy boots in the gym. <laughs> so. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, and, and Under Armour's stuff isn't very flame resistant. So, like, it's not like, you know, He's got a pair of like cool Ariat work boots. Uh, he's wearing like weird, yeah. like the only kind of cow, like cowboys wouldn't wear those boots. They're cowboy-esque boots. Like there are two, his outfits yeah. work for Randy Savage and like male prostitutes. Um, those are the, and, and coincidentally, like that's who those cowboy boots work for as well. Like nobody is wrangling horses in those boots and nobody is like, Nobody's welding wearing uh, his shirt, so. Or, or the gloves. Is it every, I feel like his outfit, his outfits in this film should be things that have caught on by now. Like why I'm not wearing one of those shirts is kind of, it's despicable. One of those you lace up shirts? <laughs> oh shit, yeah. With like, you know, yeah. like arrows and shit. Yeah, why not? Why not? Like uh, t-shirts with um, uh, with uh, tassels, you know? Why not? Yeah, like like you said, it works for Macho Man, not much else. Yeah, um, I, but but would Macho Man have been Macho Man if he came out in a pair of jeans? Like if he was dressed like a regular dude? No, he had to like he had to be dressed like a mega pimp on steroids. That's the only way that his outfits worked. Like he came out with a cowboy yeah. hat. And and uh, pink spandex, and not one dude said, "I wonder, uh, I wonder about his masculinity." Nah, dude, he was going home with Miss Elizabeth, and Mrs. Miss Elizabeth was controlling uh, the other. She was the queen bee in the organization, and they all listened to her. She was his bottom bitch, as uh, as Butters would would call them. Say that last part again. Uh, as as Butters would say, Miss Elizabeth was his bottom bitch. Butters from South Park, from Butters Bottom Bitch. Oh, okay. okay. Episodes of South sound, Park ever. Sound was a little weird for a second, but yeah. It's okay. I got my ducks going I mean, off too. I, I, I watched the DVD that they brought out about Macho Man, and like the beginning of it, it just starts off showing his closet, and just the amount of gear that that man had. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was it was impressive. So on my last deployment uh, to Kuwait, there was a, a guy that hung out in the gym. Uh, and I'd see him in there. And he said he knew Randy 
uh, from Florida. And he was saying that Randy dressed like that on a regular basis. Randy Tra or uh, not Randy Travis, Randy Savage dressed like Randy Savage to go get milk. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me. No, I mean, not at all. People that like knew Randy Savage like said that he was always a little mentally on edge, you know. And then like later when he was doing a little bit of wrestling stuff later on when he showed up in, like, NWA TNA and he was dressed in black from head to toe, if you see videos of him outside of the ring, that's still the way he was dressed in black from head to toe. Like, that's what he changed his wardrobe to in the later years. You know, he wasn't wearing the flashy stuff anymore. So, so seeing him, even in the later years, always dressed the same, whether he was outside of the ring or giving an interview or something, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that in his earlier years that he dressed the same no matter where he was at. He was that character. Like, you know, you know. I hope his brother spoke in rhyme as well. If I, uh, for those of you that don't know, Randy's <laughs> brother is the, the genius, not the Jizza of the Wu-Tang Clan. He was also Leaping Lanny Poffo, if I'm not mistaken. Porfo? Leaping, yep, Leaping Lanny Poffo. Um, yeah, I loved him. Um, Leaping Lanny, the genius. He, like, would, he would throw frisbees out to the crowd that had poems written on them. Like that was cool. Like he's brought out books of poetry. Just, like he had he had a good he had a good gimmick, man. Like use what you got. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, he was in his he was in his brother's shadow. So you got to find your way to get out of that. How many people knew that he was Randy's brother? I had no clue until till documentaries years yeah. later i i knew when i was younger because i found out what randy savage's real name was and so then like i had made that connection and when i was younger um but because i used to be all about like especially when the internet was a, became a thing like i used to do all kinds of dirt sheets and stuff like that i don't do that anymore but as a teenager, like early teens, I figured that out, like that they were related. So, I think in WCW, they also mentioned that. Like, because so, WCW would always get super personal with their storylines. They would always talk about people's like fathers and brothers or whatever. Do you think that was a, a Eric Bischoff and, and part of his way to make the WCW different than, than WWF, later WWE? Yeah, I think before, like, the Attitude Era, you know, because then once, like, then once the Attitude Era came, it, like, WWE stopped doing, like, the cartoonish characters, and then they got, like, super serious with their storylines, like, when Big Show's dad died and that kind of stuff. Uh, before we, we dip out, if you don't mind me asking, what got you into wrestling, um, as you do it, as a performer, uh, as a, as a, a, a fighter is uh as a participant uh, in the culture well like if i ask if i ask my dad how long i've been a wrestling fan he tells me since the womb and so like as long as i can remember i've been a fan and then uh wwe tough enough when that first became a thing then that's when i realized that it's not just like like movie stars or something you know it like it's not it made it watching tough enough made it where i realized that that's something that i could do that like the average person can become a wrestler like because watching it on tv you know like when i took my son to his first show his first wwe show the look on his face when he saw enzo and big cast walk out he was like oh th those are real people like he attributed it to like he watches power rangers and stuff like these are tv stars they're not real people you know so when when I realized something I could do, um, at the time, there was definitely no wrestling in Alaska, at least that I remember, or worth mentioning. Alaska has a bad wrestling history. Yeah, so one, um, once I realized it was something I could do, I found a school in Washington and moved, and that didn't last. I ended up joining the military and stuff, but when I got back into wrestling, like, I've always been a fan of, like, the agile big guys. And um, 
so guys like Seamus and Big Boss Man, especially when he came back in like the SWAT gear and he'd lost like 70 pounds, it looked like, you know. So um, I try and not move like a 300 pounder. Like I try and be light on my feet, try and be quick. And so uh, to me, that's like a different element to strive for when I'm wrestling, you know. So um, seeing guys like that, growing up with guys like Boss Man and One Man Gang and King Kong Bundy, like those are the guys that I was more drawn to as a kid um, just because they were different than everybody else. And so that's what I strive to do is be different. Like uh, when I first started wrestling, no one used the color yellow up here at least and not very many people period use the color yellow and so that became my color like a lot of my gear is black and yellow and so i i strive to just look different be different i started shaving designs into the side of my head like just to stand out and be different when i wrestle and when i perform um yeah i think that's that's most of what I've got for you, man. Thank you very, very much for your time. Again, if folks want to see you perform this weekend, where can they do that and where can they get tickets? Um, I will be heading to Soldatna on Thursday. So really tomorrow, if people want tickets, they can meet up. Um, they can go online and buy tickets at RussellProAlaska.com. Uh, they can go to Denali Harley Davidson and pick up tickets. 907 Pro Wrestling Academy in Anchorage. They also have uh, tickets for sale. Uh, and then, um, like I said, for myself, tomorrow is really the only day people can meet up but uh, on Wednesday. But there are tickets still available. First row is sold out. Second row is almost sold out. So a lot of the tickets for sale right now are just general admission tickets. So um, it's going to be good, man. This is the biggest wrestling show that Palmer has ever had. And I'm I'm a part of NSA wrestling, but we this is way bigger than anything we could have ever done. Like, so WrestlePro Alaska is like the evolution of Alaska wrestling, and so the show that we're about to have on Saturday, like I said, it's like it's Alaska wrestling history. So it's 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 history in the making. It's going to be awesome. There, there you have it. If you can make it out to Palmer, awesome. Come out on Friday night to Soldat, or I'm sorry, to Friday uh, Friday night. Soldatna in the All-American Training Center. Tickets in Soldatna are available at 5150 Vapes. They're also available at the Duck Inn. Now, the headlining uh, fighters, Seth Stacy, uh, Alton Prince, um, Sean Whitmore, and Doug McFresh, those fighters all have tickets that uh, you can buy them from, uh, from the fighters directly as well for uh, the Friday night show, as well as All-American Training Center. So, um, Man, thank you, uh, Brody. Thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, thank you very, very much for your energy. Thank you for watching the film. I, I, I appreciate yeah, it. Of course. You know, if you want to do like movie reviews in the future, I am a movie buff. So I love watching movies, especially ones I haven't seen before or ones that I'm into that other people may not, you know, introducing people to new films. So that's, it's a cool, cool aspect outside of wrestling. Okay. Um, that sounds great. Brody, I, again, I appreciate your time and energy, my man. I look forward to seeing you when you get to town. Yeah. All right. Thank awesome. you. Later. All right. I'll go ahead.